thanks everybody for joining us. My name is Jeffrey. I'm with Vermont Growers Association, I'm the host this evening. Uh, and we have uh, Sam with us of Burnt Mountain Agriculture, a regenerative farm uh, and a consulting service. And he will uh, go more into uh, about himself and uh, what his business is up to and, and how you can contact them. I'm awesome, man. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you guys. It's uh, it's really cool what you guys are up to and and kind of just like spotlighting us growers and and uh, giving us a voice. We've got talent in this state, so let's you know put our heads together, you know, just like the brewers did in the '90s, and uh, let's just make sure that not only our voices are heard, but uh, you know, we're heard nationally, right? We want to have that uh, you know that twenty dollar gram in Colorado. That's the Vermont IPA. You know that kind of thing, and we'll we'll get there. We'll get. I've there. been thinking about that a lot lately, as the New York market kind of opened up, and oh, they right. were, you know, they were talking about like it, it, it's got the potential to be the largest market in the world currently, and and I mean the way they opened it up with the cafes and and all that. Um, I think that's obviously a, a pretty valuable way to open it up. I'm not like up up to standard on what exactly like all their laws are and how they're treating cultivators and, and, and that whole situation. But I, I think that they got a pretty good start and I think that it's going to be cool in five to 10 years to be able to see that Vermont label down there. And uh, we all have, you know, a serious opportunity here as being one of those East coast States that's been looked up to for years as producing really good cannabis and, I mean, other than Maine, all, all these other states are kind of new to me. I mean, Mass is doing it now. Rhode Island's doing it now and, and places like that. But it, you don't really hear about, I mean, you, you didn't before, you know, 10 years ago, you really didn't hear about other places on the East Coast as much as you heard about Vermont cannabis. Yeah. And uh, hopefully this is just the start of that conversation. You know, totally. But uh, great point. Great point. So listen, let's spend a minute. Uh, how can people find you? Uh, what are you guys up to? Um, a little bit about yourself. So we uh, we have started a small farm um, in the Northeast Kingdom here, and we're doing kind of everything where we've got pigs and sheep and chickens and gardens and greenhouses and, you know, our our cannabis stuff and uh we we do a lot of regenerative farming and fermenting and canning and processing and and doing all that um we are mainly found right now on instagram uh at burnt mountain ag and uh we have an email that you can contact us at anytime which is burnt mountain ag at gmail.com and if you just leave your name and information and any questions you have or just want to contact us and reach out for any reason or, or consultations or anything. Um, we are very open. And if you leave your name and all that, I'll get back to you ASAP. Um, yeah, we are. So, I mean, I, I kind of got onto the regenerative ag thing through the Chris Trump stuff. His, his Instagram is uh, soil steward at soil steward. And he was kind of the, the guy who brought it to my understanding and, and taught me a lot about uh, those systems and, and kind of how he learned things from Dr. Cho. And he actually spent a lot of time over there 
um, doing stuff. And he, he owns a giant um, macadamia nut farm in Hawaii that they apply these practices to and have had great success. And now he does talks all over the world and teaches these five day courses everywhere that anybody can be a part of. And he does a couple a year, um, which, so it's worth taking a look at his Instagram for sure. Um, and who, who is that? You said Dr. Uh, Chris, his name is Chris Trump. Okay. He, uh, he learned, he learned from Dr. Cho, who's like kind of the guy who brought it to mainstream attention and, and like started writing books on Korean natural farming in particular. And he was like doing all the Jadam practices while his son was kind of like, they, they were rewriting books and, and doing that, you know, bringing it, bringing it mainstream essentially. And what was that? To give people some context. Was that like 20 years ago? Was that like 10 years ago? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, this, this type of farming is, is in, it's an indigenous form of farming in, in Korea and they practice it because it's, it's using what they have with the land and, and it's crafty. That's super crafty, man. Like being able to look at the land and say, well, we have something that's invasive. So it's obviously thriving in this area. I can take that and ferment it and give it to my plants and, you know, kind of pass that strength on or pass that immunity on. It's a, it's a pretty amazing, it's a pretty amazing thing and to so, be able to make your own nutrients. Is, is that what, so I don't know. I don't know how familiar people are with, um, Korean natural farming, KNF. Um, I think it, you know, I think it's fair to say it's definitely become, uh, more, um, popular, at least online in at least some of the, the cannabis related channels, uh, over the past like year or so is, is it, is it just a trend is is it is it an evolution is it is it niche is it something that you think should stay does it apply to small scale large scale what is it just break that down for a moment because we we got into a couple of things pretty fast but i think there's a lot to maybe unpack just for a moment just about knf itself well i think it's a giant step back which is cool it's it's a old school it's an old you know it's it has nothing it didn't originate to perfect craft cannabis obviously it, it originated to feed people and to amend soil which which is kind of like what cannabis does you know as as a plant that will pull heavy metals out of you know as whatever it's a bioaccumulator i guess you call it um right. so i mean it, being able to uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not like reamend soils, but uh, being able to like fix unhealthy soil. I'm I'm really drawing a blank on the word on the vocab here. Remediate soil. Uh, remediate. That there it is. Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, like for soil remediation in general, it's it's very valuable um, in its own way, just by creating a diverse uh, like bio bio atmosphere you know like this if if you have if you have polluted soil or you have soil that is imbalanced whether that's fungal or bacterial you're gonna see things 
you're either going to see the soil not thrive at all, or you're going to see certain things thrive extremely well, and then other things not be able to thrive at all, like, you know, a field full of burdocks or a field full of, um, like buttercups or something like that, that would have a, a serious, like typically you see a, a field full of buttercups where there's been livestock because in, in Vermont specifically, because, you know, there's obviously a heavy microbial content there. Whereas if the soil was more balanced, you wouldn't see that there would be a, a more diverse, you know, field of, of whatever it would just be a more diverse field in general. So, so in a way you're saying like in, in a, in a wild setting, um, the plants that grow sometimes or always, or sometimes are indicative of, they're almost symptomatic of the, the soil, the soil structure, the quality of the soil, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, plants thrive on a certain, on a certain pH, on a certain, on a certain biology, um, on a certain, you know, fungal atmosphere, and if there's an imbalance in that, you'll 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 definitely be able to pick out which fields. I mean, you might not, and it's hard for me. I, I mean, I'm just learning things too, and, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it is we're all just kind of learning as we go. Mm. But with the, I mean, it's very clear with with natural farming when you're making ferments, you're you're basically creating probiotics, and when you're doing the capturing of indigenous indigenous microorganisms, you're you're fungal focused and you're looking for like mycelium and stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot of parts to it. And that's why I, I definitely recommend, you know, diving into it on your own um, or having a, having a conversation with me or, or, you know, I, I can recommend a, a number of people who are, who are professionals as well. Um, but, it's, it's a very deep topic and it's, it, I, so, I, I mean, I think just to get back on topic, I think that it's definitely something that I hope will stick around. I hope it's not a fad in the industry. I, I mean, I do see people using it at smaller to mid scale. I haven't seen a lot of people using it at large scale yet. Um, I know the guy, you know, Chris Trump, who I learned a lot of my stuff a lot of what I use from he uh he his farm is 800 acres of macadamia trees and it's a huge orchard and they're using all natural farming practices wow. and having extreme success um and so it, I, I definitely believe that it is scalable I think that it takes a lot of practice to get to that scale because you have to perfect not only not only what you're cultivating, but you have to perfect now making your own nutrients and, and being consistent with that. And you almost have to build a facility around that or build facilities for that. If you're going to scale it, you know, um, it's a whole other task. It, it, I mean, the, the value in it is that what you make, it, it holds, it, it lasts, it's preservable. It preserves itself. Um, and like any, like any microbes, if you cool it down, it'll last longer. Everything kind of just slows down, um, obviously to a, a certain temperature, but it, I think it, it's a, it's an opportunity for people who also may not be able to go down to the store and buy that five part cycle for $1,100. 
and and now they can now they know they can get calcium by by mixing eggshells and vinegar and and stuff like that or they can get um you know lactobacillus which is basically like a compost cheat tea you know like you're getting tons of probiotics from making a from making labs uh which is basically just white rice wash in and waiting for that water to smell a certain way and then adding milk to that and letting it ferment for a certain amount of time and, and then pulling some head cheese off and and basically diluting the kefir that's left underneath um and, and, and applying that to your soil, apply, applying it as a foliar. Um, it's an amazing, amazing, like probiotic balancer for your foliar health, as far as like preventing fungal growth and stuff. It's, it follows that theory of like, you know, in, inhabiting the, inhabiting the leaf with a balance of healthy bacteria and, and fungi. Cause you want a little bit of everything that, you know, you, you don't want it to be, you don't want it to be all good bacteria, but you don't want it to be, you know, there's a happy ratio and it does that. It'll do it naturally. It's all, it's all like that. It's just about creating balance with the natural farming stuff. So, I mean, it, it's like, a, it's a, everything is very light dilution. That's kind of what it's focused on. Consistent light dilutions. How light? one to two milliliters per gallon. Wow. And, and you can, and you can make a really large batch of whatever you're making for really low cost. I'd say the most expensive ingredient is probably the vinegar when you have to use brown rice vinegar for certain inputs or, you know, I mean, now you can get 50 pound bags of raw sugar for right around $50. I mean, that's an Amazon purchase. So I, I understand if people are not using Amazon for, for the right reasons, but I was gonna say, it is, it is available. Apple, could you use say like apple cider vinegar? Um, I, I don't know. I personally haven't trialed that and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't recommend it like I wouldn't recommend it to somebody I was consulting for because it doesn't quite follow what I've been taught and I haven't actually trialed it, but I don't see why you couldn't. I don't see why it wouldn't be viable. Seems to be another one of those sort of like super ciders, if you will, you know, or super vinegars. Um, the mother vinegar but definitely yeah and, and well and that's what's cool about some of the other amendments too is is you're able to like take that next step and uh and and make other things with them but the like the fermented fruit juice you can take that another step further and you ended up you end up with a vinegar or you know just just a longer fruit ferment it ends up being a vinegar or you know even a wine which i can't recommend that legally but <laughs> So listen, you started painting a really good picture. I don't, I don't want to take us back too much, but so you, you have this desolate field that we all have in our minds now, so, or this field overrun by a certain type of weed. We've all seen this, a weird looking plant. What's going on there? Or it's like overly clay or, so, so what, what 
what is KNF's solution? What would it do to remediate that soil, to remedy that field, to, to bring balance? It seems like you started sort of breaking that down. Is that is that some of the inputs that you make? What is that process to, to fix that? So yeah, I mean, it, it kind of follows a, it follows something that we're all familiar with and that's kind of cool, which is the five part systems, you know, like from back in the day. I'm sure a lot of people have, have started but going down to the hydro store and, and picking up some nectars or, you know, some botanicare or, or even some biobiz. I remember, I remember I used biobiz when I first started, that was like my go-to. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have used those and that's, what's cool about KNF is like, there's, there's just a, a really pretty short list, I guess. I mean, it's not a long list of inputs but there's everything that you need to build a balanced soil at your fingertips and you can really do it. I mean, you can do it with what's available is what's recommended, but if you got it, I mean, if you got to go and snag stuff from other parts of your, of your community, that's totally fine. Um, as far as like a, like an agricultural level, like if I was going to remediate a field, um, I, I wouldn't just be looking for certain things. Like as far as cannabis growers go, a lot of times they're just missing a couple of things in their soil and they can just, you know, they can just get away with making labs and uh, calcium, you know, a water soluble calcium and a couple other things because they're already building a super soil and they don't really need to run all these, all these diversifiers and all these different parts. And, uh, I, I, as far as an agricultural setting, if, you know, to get back to that, like if you're yeah. looking at a field full of full of buttercups that livestock's been on and you know you have a bacterial issue, I mean, I would recommend certain things as far as like, well, it, it helps if you can identify what the problem is. But if you can't and, and you're, you're just coming onto a property and you're looking to remediate an area, I would recommend throwing everything at it. And that would, and that would mean, you know, just kind of creating that diversification and balance of probiotics and microbiotics and, and fungal growth on your own. And, and that would mean building all of the amendments and kind of setting yourself up with everything you need. And then depending on the scale of your field, finding an application, um, or if you have an already, if you are, you know, a large farmer and you already have methods of application, whether that's tractors towing sprayers or a four-wheeler towing a sprayer. I mean, you can get, you can get a nice little tank from tractor supply that'll tow a sprayer behind a four-wheeler, or you can push one, or if it's just a small field and you can hand spray it, I mean, that's cool too. Or if it's greenhouse space and you can hand spray it, that's cool. But I mean, that, that requires, you know, you make all these amendments and there's, you know, the fermentation amendments are, are all the probiotic based stuff so when you're fermenting you're kind of focused on um creating probiotic life and then when you're when you're capturing indigenous microorganisms and you're you're doing the imo collections out in the woods uh you're focused on fungal life and so by bringing that all together and applying it to these these properties or, or your property or your greenhouse or it doesn't matter what scale it just it varies you know application rate varies Beds like anything forest. Could you, What's that? Sorry. 
could it be even applied to scaling down to like say you know 10 gallon containers kind of thing it could be a one 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 gallon pot that you have with one plant in it so any size any size absolutely it's it's valuable anywhere um you see a lot of people get into it and are doing um like indoor well a lot of cannabis growers are doing it and getting into like indoor beds or mixed light greenhouse beds um or like uh i mean obviously out west some people in vermont might be doing it and stuff but uh, i mean our climate's so inconsistent here it's it's hard to devote that kind of well i don't know i mean people i i personally don't devote a lot of time to outdoor i i personally prefer a covered whether that's a p- junky little pvc greenhouse cover or a greenhouse greenhouse i i prefer a greenhouse cover over just putting plants outside um for obvious reasons um but yeah i mean you you could definitely use it outside and i think i mean honestly out, outdoor growers would see serious success with using the foliars and stuff because they would probably start creating these probiotic balances and and it might help even i mean I, i'm not a person who likes to spray and flower but i would recommend spraying a lot of these things at these low dilutions in a few weeks into flower, especially outdoor, you're going to get rain anyway, and the plants are going to be getting wet. And, and that probiotic balance would probably really help with any uh, late onset mold development. And I know like that's kind of hard to scale because you might not be able to foliar a whole hemp field, but. I was about to say you had brought up, I believe, I think you said Chris Trump going back to that uh, had a uh, macadamia nut Uh, that must be outside. Right. Yeah. So that 800 acres, 800, 800, pretty impressive plot. And it's on Hawaii. I'm not exactly sure what island I'm drawing a blank there. Um, But so they're using trucks and and tractors and stuff and and orchard sprayers to to do all this application. Um, As far as IMO, I mean, that. Right. So are they doing soil building, you know what I mean? Or like that sort of thing, the IMO application, like how would that work outside? Just sort of thinking also about, you know, outdoor cannabis, like how is that is, totally. is possible? Totally. And, and, and I mean, even more possible outside. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to remediate your soil yearly, or if you're going to do it, if you have the ability to spray while plants are in the ground at scale, I mean, or at, you know, when I think of scale, I'm thinking about like a, like acres of hemp at this point. Sure. Um, cannabis at scale would probably be a little more easier because I'm imagining people are going to be wanting to get to each individual plant anyway. Um, so I, I think people will be able to apply it easier in in places like that, you know, with backpack sprayers or stuff like that because IMO... The most popular way typically to do it is is to either like mulch plants with uh, like an IMO5, which is basically like a, a captured IMO that's been multiplied a couple of times. And, and there's a there's a whole long process to that. Um, that's actually really simple once you once you've got it. It's totally it's not like I wouldn't let it I wouldn't let it intimidate anybody. Um, it's a 
it's a very doable process and it's really fun. It's, it's just kind of one of those like middle school science projects you can do in your backyard. And once you nail it, you, you start seeing results like in your first, in your first grow, in your first season. I, when I did it, um, I did it here last year on my, I, I had a small outdoor plot and I had mushrooms forming all over the place, lion's mane and those, the puffball ones. I'm not sure the name and I am all kinds of ones that I just like super random. I couldn't identify cause I'm not super into the mushroom stuff, but yeah, like it was really cool to see the diversity of mushrooms that just came from those multiple IMO applications the prior year. That's wild. So if people may be wondering, can you do one without the other? It sounds like you should be doing them together. So, um, I, I mean, so like, uh, if you're using if you're using a soil or you're you're looking at your soil and you've already identified that there's like healthy fungal growth there, then I uh, I would recommend more of a probiotic diet. You know, I I would go the other route and I would apply foliar or I would apply ferments a little heavier. Whereas if I'm using a more microbial dominant soil and I've identified that, then I would go the other route and I would start applying more heavy IMO applications so it's really i mean it really it takes it takes some identification you gotta you gotta be able to kind of look at your soil and say all right well this is where my imbalance is or or this is what i need and and go from there or you can just develop a really healthy soil by applying everything and that's and that's what's kind of recommended. You know, if I would like, if I was going to recommend it, I would say build everything. It's going to be kind of difficult, but as far as like pest management and, and uh, nutrient application and nutrient uptake and getting the best results from your plants, I would say it's definitely been proven that natural farming is, is probably one of the better ways to do it. And, and not just cannabis, but on an agricultural scale. Let's spend just a, one more minute on like how accessible it is. So if there's maybe some, you know, growers or people who are thinking about getting into KNF after listening to this, um, is it something they need to fully commit to? Can they progressively ease into it? Say they, you know, they may have a regiment that works, right? But they're interested. Ease in into it. Ease into yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, do what works for you. Play with it. Um, start start making stuff and, and learning the smells. It's you know it's a hard, there's everything is is very sensory when you're building it. It's um, you know all the ferments. It's all time based, but time is also relative to you know heat and the amount that you're making. So you know more is going to take a little longer. And if it's a colder atmosphere, it's going to take a little longer, but if it's a warmer atmosphere, those microbes are going to jam. So you better be ready. You know, it's like, it's one of those things. And it, it's really a great thing. Cause I mean, if, if you have access to, you can really do a lot with um, just brown rice, vinegar and um, sugar, you know, as far as the ferments go, if you want to go a little further and get into like labs and stuff, which I highly recommend, especially for cannabis growers, because labs will change the world, especially for people that, especially for cannabis growers specifically who are having environmental issues, 
labs will change your game because labs will you will you will pretty much not have powdery mildew or or molds or anything like that and, and i would recommend using them heavily all the time especially if you have vpd issues if you have vapor pressure deficit issues go the labs route and you will not have powdery mildew but yes they're all very easy to make as far as like you know make them a couple of times i wouldn't use your first batch on your plants you know unless you're just kind of like have an experimental garden and are playing anyway but i would like you know make your first batch and then make a second batch and try it again and like really play with that with the timing um but you know there's certain things that you can make like like the water soluble calcium if you're like dude i pump through the cow mag i'm constantly buying cow mag you know try that first you know keep your keep your cow mag on hand or whatever if that's what you're used to you know <laughs> if you're not seeing results like go back to it i'm i'm not going to tell you not to but what i'm saying is like try it you know is bubble there... some burn you know whiff some eggs off bubble them and 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 i can i mean i i'm willing to go into that totally and 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 talk about what i mean i can talk about individual inputs and stuff if you'd like but i I, I, I can also do that um, th through email or I can do that um, face uh, person to person or whatever over the phone or, or you know, after this, uh, if anybody wants to reach out, that's totally fine. I'm, I can explain stuff more. Um, but yeah, well, everything's really easy. I'd love to see that in the Vermont cannabis scene as, as people kind of get... Um, start building names and start trying to build everybody's unique um, foot in the industry. I think that there's a lot of room for that with, with natural farming and, and what I, what my property has to provide and what I can make for ferments based on what my region of Vermont has to provide is, is very different than say the Southern part of the state and, and what that has to provide for natural resources that can be fermented and, and use as inputs and you know that that would be a cool thing to see in my eyes i, I would love to see you know somebody from the south so from somebody from the you know even the southern part of the country using totally different ferments but growing one of my genetics with totally different ferments but you know in the same soil mix or something and, and see how they come out and, and what the difference is there you know Yeah, I mean, is that so? You had mentioned, you know, KNF using what you have around you, the land, um, basically. Is that, you know, that's almost a place of origin, um, you know, when it comes to grapes and any other sort of, you know, more refined or sophisticated like ag commodity? Um, it sounds like cannabis can move in that direction with this sort of uh, farming practice. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a couple of wine companies that are doing it, or I think one is actually like doing it a hundred percent and have actually sold product. That was like the first wine that's ever been naturally farmed, which is pretty cool. Um, it is seen most prominently currently in the cannabis industry. I would say, um, it, but I, I mean, it is, it has, it has value everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, um, you know, Tawar, where basically, so like you just said, um, someone who's maybe using the same inputs um, in one state that they're making, 
uh, in, a, in a different state, you know, the same lab, the same ferment, so to speak, but but they're just in a different region. It sounds like they'll they'll arrive at perhaps different expressions in their plants and whatnot. Possibly. Totally. Totally. I, I think so. I think regionally we would see slight indifferences. I mean, if you if if we can ever come to terms on, you know, what sour diesel is, um, it'd be cool to <laughs> to see that. It'd be cool to see that, you know, somebody in Florida growing the, the sour cut and using a using their their natural farming line like you know using all their ferments that they've made from their whatever it is i'm not i'm not 100 percent familiar on uh the the native florida uh botany i guess natural plants um but yeah i i mean I, it would be cool to see what they've got for invasive plant species or or whatever and and fruits and stuff you know certain certain stuff that we don't have access to here, you know, they might be able to get, they might be able to go out. Cause I mean, the thing with natural farming is like, you're supposed to be harvesting your, your inputs early in the morning when they're dew covered. Cause that's kind of when the heaviest, like natural microbial um, content is, is like on the leaves or on the fruit or anything. And then don't wash it and like cut it up, chalk it up. And then, get it in your jar with your jaggery, which is the, the you know, raw sugar, um, you know, kind of as quick as you can. Um, but you know, it, they've got mangoes and papayas and, and might be able to get bananas and stuff like that down there that we don't, we don't have access to here as far as like fresh morning fruit to make fruit, fruit ferments with and stuff. So it, it would be cool to see just kind of like those side-by-side -side comparisons and, and then it would give these regional identifications to, to cannabis, you know, you'd be like, Oh, I can go get, I can go get a Vermont genetic from Florida, but it's almost totally different to the, you know, to the connoisseur, to the right. developed palate, you would notice it. Right. Right. And what it took, or you wouldn't, maybe not. I don't know. Well, they say what, I mean, it's true. You know, that's education, not just within the industry, but within the consumers when it comes to, you know, the adult use marketplace, at least, and, and even the, the traditional marketplace, but like what those parallels, it took uh, the IPA, right? Like what, 10 years, 15 years to eventually become popular. It's sort of always right. for a while. It's, the consumers need to kind of acquire that palette, yada, yada, yada. Marketing was part of it, but uh, I, yeah. I think it's going to happen fast with weed. I mean, beer had kind of an open market for a really long time and it, and it stayed pretty bland until pretty, pretty much just recently. I feel like. Yeah. But you know what? I'll say this, the, the, the IPA uh, beer type has definitely um, made lots of livelihoods in the state. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was just kind of turning, I was like, 21 22 during the the old alchemist boom there so that was a yeah a lot of ipa consumed man i i feel that it's a i mean hopefully we have that similar platform to sell on once things once things go here i mean when, i'd love to see i'd love to see people's product down in florida you know and not just cbd but but cannabis and i'd love to see people's product you know all up and down the east coast and all over the west and stuff i'd, I'd love to see east coast product out west that's what i'd love to see right <laughs> send those packs back i'm just kidding most 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll give them some top shelf. All right, well, listen. I, I, um, I mean, I grew up on oh. the East Coast, man. All my experience is East Coast. I've actually never grown out West and never been a part of that. Uh, I have a lot of strains from out West, which, and I appreciate those guys. I mean, they, they do a lot of work. Oh, absolutely. Much love. Yeah. I mean, we've got friends out yeah. there. I'm sure all of us do. Um, absolutely. Yep. They do good stuff. I, absolutely. But I love the healthy competition as well, and I will, I will always yeah. play the East Coast vibe because we can do it, man. We can do it. Just give us that even playing field, right? These corporations, right. they know that, you know, these, anyway. Our time is yet to come. <laughs> so listen, before we um, uh, sort of uh, go into the question and answer, um, I've got a couple more questions for you, uh, Sam, but I just want to say, guys, uh, we're sort of approaching that time. So if you have any questions, uh, if you don't uh, want to speak yourself, uh, feel free to use the chat. I see someone has a book re recommendation. That's awesome. Teaming with Microbes, such a great book. Awesome. Thanks, Lance. So if any, any other recommendations, guys, please feel free to use the chat. Uh, everyone can see it. Uh, ask questions, please, uh, again, and uh, we'll, we'll ask them for you. Um, okay. So um, I just want to say, I want to go back to really fast, Burnt Mountain Agriculture. So you mentioned livestock. Is, does that have a component in all of this? Is that sort of like that, that you know, that, that food soil web that people talk about or what? what how does that play into this? Animals and, and chickens and what do you have? Yeah, so I mean like the, the livestock for us has really played a big part in soil building. Um, mainly for, I mean, cannabis, yes, but mainly for our, for our scaled like vegetable and, and herb gardens um, throughout the summer. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of like the uh, Elaine Ingham podcast books you know i've followed her for for years probably since everybody else started following her um and and kind of started doing her compost recipes and then tweaking things as, as i got more comfortable and 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 learning things just you know like like i said before regionally just kind of picking up on stuff that's that i have available to me that i can use and and in place of other things that they might be using um, yeah, so I mean, like, as far as, as far as the livestock and stuff, I mean, I love, I love my pigs because you end up with a lot of, um, like ferment waste, I guess, not, not so much waste, but stuff that's going to go into a co like compost pile, um, or get fed to the pigs. So th th that's pretty great. You could feed them um, scraps, I guess, right? What's that? Feed them scraps. Yeah, them. totally. Feed them, feed them tons of like pretty much anything. Any, any health, anything that's healthy food scraps, man. Uh, that that goes in, and then they like the labs cheese, like the the labs that I make. That the labs that everybody makes in natural farming, you end up with this head cheese that you squeeze off. A lot of people will like, cut it so they can get the the water out um or you put it in like a you make it in like a spigoted jar so you can just like open the spigot and drain the water without disturbing the cheese and then when you pull the cheese um i i mean some people eat it and like put it on crackers and stuff and it's super mild if you put salt pepper garlic like whatever you put on it it takes the flavor of it because it's just like a very bland mild cheese totally safe to eat um super healthy fun for kids and shit 
Um, but that, I mean, my pigs love that. So I kind of spruce up their food every time I make labs and they, they get a pretty healthy dose of labs. And it also is like, a it really helped me cut down because our, our pigs are kind of close to our house and it cut the smell almost to like non-existent from our pigs. And we've got like a nice deep mud wallow for them. And it was like, like things were pretty, it was getting pretty uh, pig farmy last summer. And so I, I started hosing the, the whole area down with labs and it balanced the bacteria and I had no more issues. And I, I ended up having these crazy like mycelial fungal blooms all over the top of like the the whole the whole area was like all mudded up they totally they rooted everything up right um and it was only two of them because we we got rid of one right at the beginning we ended up cooking that one um pretty young but the other ones we we had them fill out and yeah they it's amazing what they'll do but yeah so i mean i use it all over in agriculture and and like my hay that i use in my compost is like hay that has been in the sheep's paddocks and stuff and like in their in their night paddock where they're kind of like closed up because we have serious coyotes around here um and then i obviously i i use it at scale with our gardens as far as like imo and um and all the the ferments and and stuff like that all the you know fpj ffj water soluble calciums and water soluble cal phosphate and um liquid imo is my favorite application of imo um it's just kind of the easiest method to do it uh over a larger area versus applying a bunch of a bunch of solid product basically um uh, like a top dress or a mulch it's a little easier to spray um but yeah, sorry. Where were we? Where, did I get off track there? Uh, if anybody has any questions uh, who are uh, attendees, uh, please raise your hand and we'll let you speak. Um, and if you guys have any questions for Sam or myself or for anybody, uh, go ahead and shoot some questions out and uh, in the chat, uh, if you prefer that, and uh, we will uh, bring them into the conversation. So uh, Go ahead and feel free if you guys want to uh, join us. Uh, go ahead. Just to add to that comment too. Oh, yeah, go um, ahead. Absolutely. That, uh, the Teaming with Microbes book is phenomenal. And so is uh, Teaming with Fungi. Those are both phenomenal books. Um, it's kind of hard to recommend. Uh, it's kind of hard to recommend a, a book on KNF right now because they keep kind of, they keep, I mean, as far as as far as like um, that that side of things go, they keep kind of changing things and making new suggestions based on people's findings and, and all that. Um, so it's just kind of good to stay like if, if it's something you're interested in, it's kind of good to stay up to date with it or, you know, every couple of months just kind of trace back and see if the people that you're following closely are have made any any new posts or videos or updates on on processes that they were once practicing but now might be practicing differently hmm. Interesting. Interesting. 
All right, so we got Amelia asked us a great question. Thank you, Amelia. Hope everyone's doing well this evening. Um, kind of warm out tonight, and I'll probably all cross Vermont. Um, I am in Burlington. It's like I think we I think we hit seventy this evening. Anyway, all right. So uh, Amelia asks, uh, what are some legislative changes you want to see in the cannabis space? All right. Well, we all know I can go on for hours about that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you, uh, Sam. Uh, I mean, if you don't mind, uh, you know, if we want to go into policy, like if you're following things, like is there anything specific you want to see that that you're aware of, or just in general that maybe I'll, I'll expand. Other states have done. Um, yeah. I mean, and you can see that in the chat as well. Thank you, Amelia. I uh, I I would love to see it be as close to like a vineyard style market as possible. But I also see value in regulating that space, obviously, so that we, we as small growers, don't just get totally trampled out by big dollar figure people coming in and, and dominating that space and dominating the, that price and all that. But I, I really hope that we all have an opportunity as small growers and also just like farmers with other interests too like we're not all cannabis farmers a hundred percent like we have a we have a large maple operation you know on top of our small farm that we have going on all summer long and and it's i would love to for it to be a part of my farm it, it's not going to be a hundred percent what i do but i i would really love to have that be a part of a lot of people's farms and and not only that but i would also love it to be i would love for you know, Joe Schmo down the road to have a four lighter and, and be able to have really nice cannabis, clean cannabis that he can go get approved from a lab and then sell to his buddies, or he can bring it to a dispensary that's going to give him a fair price for it. I, I hope that's where we end up in the next five to 10 years, hopefully sooner. But I mean, as a five-year goal, I'd love to see that. And and like, I, I mean, I've talked about it a little bit with the education thing. Like, obviously, we've got a lot of education to to do as far as consumer education. Hmm. But I, I think that kind of is even a harder aspect because to, to reach on a legal side, because a lot of people that you're going to have to educate on a legal side, on, on in a sorry, not a legal side, but in a political atmosphere are not only going to be like a non-educated consumer but they're not going to have any, like any education around it at all you know they're they're going to be a totally uneducated like they're going to be an outside an outside viewpoint not really knowing what's going on you know and that's fine i mean a lot of people are dealing with that right now and it, they're open a lot of people are open to you know learning it and and figuring out what the needs are but it's also like really hard i think probably to be a decision maker in that space and and play both sides and be like well i'm getting i'm getting this giant push from people who are like across the country in the industry in in many different states and me, in many different genres you know medical and rec and they're getting pushed from from those people who they are considering you know educated people in the who are currently in the space and then they're all then they're getting all these you know, recommendations from, from us and, and from small groups and, and small growers outside of that, 
large legal space that are kind of obviously I feel like I feel like our motives are more unbiased and uh, mutual and modest and and kind of a you know obviously with Vermont you get that craft mentality where everybody just wants a little piece of it and I feel like I feel like we could all have it. And I hope that's, you know, to, to get back to the question, I hope that's legislatively where the space ends up. I hope we all have a piece of it and, and whatever that looks like, tiered licensing and stuff. And, and I hope that we have a solid, um, a solid regulatory market around defining clean medicine and, and, that, and that price structure that comes with that, whatever that looks like fair on both sides. I think that we can, we as growers can make a pretty fair profit and at a, at a pretty decent patient price down the line. Yeah, man, politics is not fun, but, uh, you know, it's like, I call it a necessary evil, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I try to, I try to like, I try to really see both sides with it. I obviously understand that there's some pollution and money, you know, obviously, but the whole system really, right. If we're going to get to it, but it's, uh, you can buy water and, and, and it's hard to buy air and money is valuable. You know, we, you can't really like money is a, it's a necessary evil, I guess. Um, unfortunately, currently right now it is, it's, it's here you know i mean i'll, so. I'll say this you know I'll, I'll say vermont is an agrarian state so i think with um with regards to legislation and the cannabis space uh not just a focus on those most in need always so preserving our medical space is vital but in terms of the adult use space you know, it should be farmer friendly. I want to say it should be small business friendly. Yeah. Um, you know, in somebody. In, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just going to say. You know, we have pretty progressive. You know, we're not as progressive, I think, as other states looking at us think that we actually are. But we have some pretty uh, progressive land use and land access laws around. Uh, Act 250. And if you produce something that's predominantly coming from your land in this state, right, you can sell that that product. So we think, you know, something similar, similar or of that vein, where it's, you know, farmer friendly is, is what would be would be good for Vermont. Uh, yeah, in the, long, in the long run. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love I would I definitely would love to be able to go to people's farms and and pick up some product and you know tour their operation like a nice orchard and and you know as open as people want to be i know people are going to want to keep things behind closed doors but i think that would be a really cool i think that would be really cool you know it, regulated right and safe and tested and it, all of this is possible all of this. yeah and i i'm a really firm believer in the I mean, I hate to say I'm a firm believer in, in regulation and, and testing because that's kind of a very bureaucratic thing to say. But it's it's a I am a firm believer in in clean cannabis and and I'm a firm believer in 
the fact that cannabis being a bioaccumulator needs to be cultivated carefully. And I'm a firm believer that we should have, we should definitely have third party people who do not cultivate, do not sell cannabis, do not, you know, who are not involved in that kind of realm at all. And I, I would, and, and maybe not even involved in the extraction realm of things. I would love to see a third party testing facility who can get, really give us a microbial breakdown of the product and feel confident that they're, that they're accurate in what they're giving us back for information. Cause it seems like every lab I've sent stuff to, I get really different information back from, um, kind of all over the board and even soil stuff. I've sent soil samples out to multiple labs and, and had different results come back and, you know, had things retested and stuff. And I, I would really like to see that kind of as a standard in the industry, standard in the industry, be able to, to rely on a label, you know, like, a, like, you know, Matt, Matt with nurse, nurse grown, he's involved with the clean green certification. I'd, I'd really like to be able to see a label like that and know that, okay, people who are cultivating under this certification are like top of the line, you know, that's, that's why you're spending that dollar figure on that product. Awesome. And, and maybe not even that, maybe it's just that, you know, there's a, there's an industry standard, you know, across the board. Standards aren't a bad thing. Uh, you know, yeah. accessible standards. Um, and by the way, shout out to Matt and uh, Jesse Lynn, great company, great people, nurse grown organics, right? We just had them on uh, for last episode. You guys can check it out. Um, that's streaming. I've, I've never met them, but I can't oh, really? wait at some point to, to get awesome. to know those guys. Cause a lot of stuff, I listened to what he, I listened to his, his podcast that he did with you and, and man, a lot of the stuff he said resonated with me really well. I'm really interested to pick his ear at some point. He's real centered. They're good people. So we got a quick timely follow-up. So Sam is asking, have you tried MCR labs? Uh, so that's in state, right? He was following up right on, you were talking about testing um, and not really being too happy. I have not tried MCR labs yet. So that's uh, it's on my list. There we go. Thank you, Sam. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, go ahead guys and raise your hand. If you want to speak, we'll let you speak. Uh, we have a question from Ben. Uh, and he has one about, let's see, uh, I'll go in reverse, uh, compost teas. Uh, so Sam, do you use one compost tea recipe or a variety of tea recipes? Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Personally, I, I do use compost teas, um, a lot more vigorously on soil that I have pulled out of a space and, am now re-amending. Um, I, I really like to get the nutrients and bioavailability built up again and, and really get that soil jamming as it needs, you know, as it needs it. Um, and then I, I re-amend compost into it and turn it a few times and, and let it, let it recook for a while as I re-amend. Um, and I have a pretty, wide variety of uh natural farming inputs that also get added into that regimen as i as i re-amend um i if i was gonna recommend like one compost tea for i mean it really kind of varies depending on expertise level i guess in, in cultivation if you're like if you're if you're a novice grower i'd probably recommend a a, a bit less of a tea because then it's it's probably gonna it's probably gonna make your soil damp for a longer period of time 
And so you're going to really want to watch your watering over the next couple of days, if over your first couple applications, especially if you're applying a pretty heavy compost tea. Um, but basically, I, I mean, I, I would recommend like molasses, castings, maybe uh, something light in MPK, like a frass or, or uh, I, I used to use um, North Country Organics ProGrow the five three four i really liked that stuff and they i think they just came out with a more hemp focused line um that's like a five four nine or something like that it has a little more potassium in it because obviously cannabis you know loves the potassium um and then um a little bit of kelp which i think was kind of redundant at the time because i think there's kelp actually in the pro grow but um just some of that raw kelp that you can purchase pretty much anywhere that stuff's great um if you're in flour i loved adding a little bit of bone meal to it um but i kind of over time felt like that was a better long-term soil amendment and just like i ended up i ended up pulling it out of teas and and putting it into my soil regimen more and i don't actually use bone meal anymore i use a different i i do use a bone meal but it's a different more specific um one um but yeah I, I recommend putting it in soil because it just takes a little longer to break down and it helps to just have in there i mean it, it's a calcium availability as well um and the plants will kind of use that phosphorus coming from the bone meal as they need it when they're coming into flower and, and really starting to produce those buds so um yeah i mean as far as teas go i i really like seed sprout teas um i don't really have like a go-to seed kind of like whatever i can whatever i can readily get my hands on i've been interested in doing a hemp seed one but i still have not like bought a bag of hemp seeds to to donate to doing that um but i i don't know i mean i plants are cannibalistic you know how they are they love to eat themselves so if you can apply your plant to your plant then you're not going to have bad results I was going to ask you, um, for Vermont, you know, to, to, to throw out, if you could, to throw out, like, you know, one easy, accessible FPJ, because, you know, in the vein of, right, to be to be sincere to the, to the philosophy of using your local plants, your local, right, bacteria, that fungi, that biome, harnessing yeah. all of that, um, pathogens and, and the good and the bad. What would you recommend if someone wants to go outside? You know, just a, a, any any plant, say something they can't even identify that looks healthy. Like, what is that process? Just and um, you know, if someone has not done this before and they and they're thinking about making a quick ferment. So, like fermented fermented plant juice. We're coming into spring right now. It's going to be yep. like your the most readily available. You're gonna you're gonna start seeing a lot of new growth. Um, you know, fiddleheads popping up and and little flowers along the side of the road, forget me nots and all that stuff. Um, what, what I recommend is finding, um, finding an area, say like dandelions, a really good example in the spring, like dandelions start popping up. You start seeing that early dandelion growth. The leaves are greening up at, with the grass, your lawn, you know, probably has a million dandelions on it. Take, take and go harvest those dandelion leaves chop them up you know you want to do it right in the morning that's kind of the best recommendation is to do it right in the morning like i said with the like they're going to have the heaviest um density of microbiology on their leaves 
because um, they're outside, they're in the dew. Obviously, microbiology likes it where it's damp. So they're, they're going to be thriving in that early morning time. So, I mean, earlier the better when you can get it in the morning, like just as the sun's rising. Go out, cut yourself a bunch of dandelions, bring them in, chop them up, and then mix them up with some jaggery. Um, there's a couple, I mean, some people do a little less sugar, some people do a little more sugar, um, but basically it's like a, a two to one weight ratio. So if you have a scale, which most people do at this point, uh, have a little kitchen scale or, or a little you know weight scale for whatever, um, just weigh it up. And obviously dandelion is pretty easy to weigh and put it in a mason jar with, with the two to one mixture of sugar, raw sugar, raw, you know, more unrefined, the better. Um, and then uh, sugar cap it. So, you know, uh, put a layer of sugar on top, like you, you mix your two to one together and then put that down in your jar. And, and I would recommend like kind of packing it down in your jar with something. And then you're going to sprinkle sugar on top, probably like a quarter of an inch, a third of an inch thick and pack that down. Give that a good little pack too. And, and that kind of just like sets things. And then what I do is I put a cheesecloth um, or a paper towel with a rubber band over the top and I date it on the, on the paper towel. And then I just start watching it. I, you, I prefer to keep it in a dark space, kind of room temp. Um, you know, 60, 65 degrees. Like I said, cold, if it's colder space, you're gonna, you're gonna uh, ferment a little slower. If it's a warmer space, you're gonna ferment a little faster. Temperature is um, relevant. Yeah, temperature is very relevant. And temperature is also relevant to like how much you're making too, you know? I wouldn't recommend making a giant batch and putting it in a cold room because it's gonna be a year before you see your results, you know? But you, it can happen within five to seven days relatively at the proper temperature, you know, 65 degrees room tempish. Um, but yeah, so once you've chopped everything up, added your jaggery, got it in your jar, covered it with your paper towel, rubber band, dated it, then just watch it and you're in, you know, every, every day, just go in there and peep at it. Maybe even in the morning and once at night before bed, go in, take a look at your jar and watch, you know, it'll start doing like what strawberries do with sugar in the fridge for, for strawberry shortcake all those juices will start running and you'll start to see bubbles form as it starts fermenting and and that's and, and that's kind of when you start regulating it when you know if you start seeing more bubbles form and more bubbles form and those bubbles are really kind of rising up to the top well then you might add some more sugar you know to your top layer and and add push that sugar pack down a little bit so and that's kind of what the sugar pack does too is it allows the sugar to be there on top if the microbes need it to to kind of jumpstart themselves. But other than that, you just kind of watch it over five to seven days and you'll start, you'll kind of start to see it. I mean, a lot of times it'll, it'll form like, it'll start forming little like microbial pockets or, or it'll almost start forming a SCOBY. Like if you're, if you're familiar with kombucha skin, um, uh, mainly, mainly you go on smell and over the, over the course of five to seven days, once things are like really juiced up, um, I pull that sugar cap and drain everything out. Um, you know, the best thing to do is kind of undisturbed. So put it, put a strainer on your jar and, and find a, find a vehicle, something that you can put, put your jar over and let all that all that uh, liquid just kind of drain out. And then at that point, 
you can jar it up again i would leave it um with a paper towel over it um i have seen people just like jar it jar it but i feel like it doesn't hurt to have a little oxygen available for the microbes that are there because that's essentially what you're doing is fermenting and capturing microbes from that from that harvest from that dandelion harvest or or whatever i mean it um i i prefer to pick um i i prefer to pick plants that you can see are thriving well in maybe you know not the greatest conditions so plants that start early in the spring and are popping out of the snow and you're like man that's a rugged plant you know you can kind of you can kind of bring those immunities into your into your soil there's a reason that plant has built those you know built those um strengths and you can harvest that and and kind of use that is the theory wow wow um, all right. Well, we are coming up on, uh, what is it? Past 815. Um, go ahead. Couple, we've got time for a couple more questions. If you guys have anything, uh, feel free to raise your hand, shoot, uh, shoot us a question in the chat. Um, I've got a question that I like to ask people, uh, especially who I think, uh, I personally consider good, good cannabis growers, um, Sam. So don't take it as a test necessarily, but you know, what, what do you, what do you, I don't know. How would you. Um, what would you consider uh, are the qualities of a good grower, good cannabis grower? What make what makes a good grower in your mind? I I I think a good grower, uh, you know, is, is somebody who can be versatile and kind of understand understand all parts of the industry i guess not all parts of the industry i guess but like all parts of the the cultivation process from start to finish i don't think i don't think a good grower is somebody who just cultivates the plant and then passes it off to a post production team mm. to be to be done uh, you know whatever however however they desire i think that the a grower should be overseeing the process from you know the original the pheno hunting and the seed selection to cloning and and all the way through post production to curing and and even how the product gets packaged and shelved cuz i i mean i've i've seen a lot of people who throw stuff in who who have beautiful beautiful jars of product and then once it gets subdivided and, and it it doesn't really look that great anymore and you're like man that was some really beautiful product when it was all together. But now after it's been handled four times, it's really kind of banged up. And, and the, you know, the, the storage container that the consumer got was really, you know, didn't really, it probably could have been a little better for, you know, it could have made the product look a little better or, or the product might've stayed better in there and not got squished or beat up, you know, as far just talking flower, you know? Um, but, but I think, as far as a good cultivator, I think somebody that a obviously understands the plant and, and, and knows what the plant needs. And I, I think that there's a lot of really great cultivators, obviously in, 
in all realms of cannabis, you know, in, in the scaled realms, I think there's people that are doing it big and, and doing really awesome stuff and, and having great results with nutrient systems. And I also think that it's really cool what people are doing with regenerative farming. I, I would really like to see, I would really like to see more of people, more people that are considered good cultivators that are considered cultivators who who are practicing Vermont craft cannabis or not, and not just Vermont craft cannabis, but craft cannabis in, in their state, whatever state they're in, you know, if you're, if you're going to put a craft label on something, right. I would really like to see people um, kind of bring that home and bring that as grassroots as, as you possibly can. I think that there's a value in sourcing everything as much as you can from the land around you. Um, and I mean, I, I don't, there's, there's no plastic bottles rolling around here. I don't have to take things to the recycle, which is really awesome. You know, every once in a while I clean up a broken jar, which is a bummer, but we really try not to do that. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I'd really like, we, we're coming into an age and an era where like, obviously waste is a problem and, and trucking things is, you know, don't get me wrong it's necessary we got to move stuff we got to move stuff to people like everybody needs stuff and it's great we've got this commerce where i can get you know i can buy rims and tires for my truck from out west and have them shipped to my house so, dude that's really cool um but i also think that you know there are certain things that with regenerative farming we we cut back on that we cut back on right we cut back on all this you know excess excess waste in the cannabis industry where there's already going to be a boom. I mean, they've already seen it major in Canada and major out West. When I went to Canada, I went to Montreal like a couple of years ago and just popped into a dispensary up there. And it was, I mean, crazy how much plastic they're using. They've got these, like, they've got these packages that they could. So what they, like a lot of these companies, they'll, they'll take the, the, a jar and instead of like, it's a jar that'll fit a half ounce but they only want to put a quarter in it. So instead of having a different jar for a quarter, they just put a spacer, a big plastic spacer in the half ounce jar. I've seen that. So it's like, not only is it a bigger jar, a bigger waste of material for that, but then you've got this big plastic spacer that you put in there. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you got more waste. Yeah. So I think, I mean, obviously like the cannabis industry is going to bring a lot of waste and we're going to have to be conscious of that as it becomes federally legal and we're pushing it all over the world and, whatever but i think that as growers if we can if we can cut back on that too that's going to make people a more a more sought after grower and 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 not only that but i think the product that's coming out of those grows is going to be you know more terpene rich and and more craft in general yeah there's some really innovative packaging coming out uh i know that there's some um you know, like Dragonfly Earth Medicine, some DEM certified producers are putting out like compostable packaging. Uh, there are some good companies out there, fortunately, in the cannabis space. Not a lot, but there's some uh, in the legal space. Uh, We're almost they're, there. They're I, think, I, I think as, uh, as we uh, start uh, seeing. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think I think we're really going to see a shift when mass scale hemp kind of gets pulled more to the south and you start seeing those large tobacco farms driving on hemp and and maybe you know we end up with a textile industry or something Hopefully and then more industrial 
yeah, we end up with this. We end up with an industrial hemp community, basically. A, a, a you know, a, a giant, a big business thing. And I would love to see that. That would be cool because it would it would benefit, like obviously, the whole world. I'd love to be able to go on my packaging websites and buy all hemp biodegradable packaging. You know, I would certainly spend more for that. You know, I think a lot everybody would. Why wouldn't you? What's what we do? You only make so much distillate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> all right if you use labs you won't have powdery mildew and you won't have to send it to disty <laughs> uh all right oh uh looks like we have some people with us still uh feel free to uh, raise your hand if you guys have any questions um let's see here we are coming up on 8 30 we will be doing this monthly i'm pretty sure we have someone lined up for next month very excited this has become a fun thing. Um, we like when uh, we go a little bit over uh, and ask questions. Um, you guys have been great. Uh, ben, unfortunately, I don't think that uh, I have an answer to your, your six star question. Um, <laughs> I'd like to know myself. So uh, you gotta make, make it yourself, man. You gotta make it yourself. <laughs> new tech versus old tech hash <laughs> are you uh have you washed sam is that something that uh, you're familiar with any sort of processing at all or that's that's what i was actually just going to say you got to take the, the the old tech hash and uh squish it and make it new tech hash and that's probably the best hash you're going to get <laughs> it's probably that five star you're looking for <laughs> um but yeah i mean i've i've messed around with pressing some um I have a, a close friend who is a lot more into it on the, on the craft end of things and, and kind of studies it and stuff. Um, unfortunately he doesn't, he doesn't do much at scale. He just kind of a, does like a, a personal, personal stuff right now. Um, but he, uh, we, I mean, we, the best runs that we had were actually outside this year in like the negative 10 degree temperature. And we had these washing machines going and they were like, the water was like freezing to the top of them. And we actually broke one because the mechanisms like water got in there and just froze up and like all the gears just broke. It, it was, it was fun. We had a really good time doing it and we produced some really awesome rosin and uh, I would do it again. I, I personally, I've gotten better results and I don't know if it's the strains that I use. I'm not sure if it's if it's because I'm not I'm I'm more of a novice hash maker, and dry sieve is easier to control. Um, but I've had better results dry sieving some of my strains, and then pressing that dry sieve. Um, that's that's just been my experience. I, I know that. I obviously know that hash, like, you know, water hash produces a superior product as well. But um, I personally have had really good luck with d the dry sieve technique. I think that can make some fantastic, uh, you know, um, non-flower type hash pretty quickly, right? Is using that sort of technique, you know, whether it's static electricity or whatever your collection method is, right? Yep. The sift or the heads or whatever, you know part of the stock you have and then pressing yep. that you'll get some pretty nice stuff yeah and i'm really i'm intrigued i haven't tried it yet but i'm i'm intrigued i'm gonna try it on one of my upcoming harvests i'd, I'd love to do the 
the paint roller tech that like uh, some of these bigger companies are doing. And I've seen it on Instagram and, and they're like using static electricity and a paint roller with parchment paper to like just capture the heads. And then they're pressing that and they're getting like a super, super, super clean, but full spectrum product. And, and I'm really interested in that and seeing what that kind of brings to the table and, you know, what kind of turf profile, you know, how does it change it? Cause I haven't, I haven't had the chance to try any of that stuff uh, personally, but I, I think that it would, obviously it's going to bring a totally different turf profile to the table. I think that came from uh, some fellow named like Cuban grower. He's like a famous um, hash maker. Yeah. The static electricity sort of lifting up. The, it's fantastic. It's awesome. It's so attractive. I'll have to check that out. So attractive looking. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all the bag appeal for sure. Super white. All right, cool. Um, and I'll just say again, if uh, nobody heard me in the uh, earlier on, but uh, I'll just echo, um, we were talking about, you know, hash and whatnot. Guys, if you aren't aware, um, Act 164, uh, our new law in Vermont, um, has THC caps. So we have a petition out there. Um, it's just for consumers. Uh, there's a 30% THC cap on flour. Uh, but really, most importantly, uh, that really impacts the, the market. There's a 60% THC cap on concentrates. So really all of the solvent lists, really the, the stuff you don't want to water down, uh, basically um, the artisanal stuff, the five, six star bin uh, won't, won't really be uh, available. It'll be prohibited from market. Everything typically tests over 70. So anyway, so go ahead, check out that petition. Uh, we've got it on our website. We've got it on social media, sign that. We'll have also guys, just so you know, a, a separate business and industry sort of sign on letter. This is just if you're a consumer, we're separating them. So uh, even if you're a business owner out there, go ahead and sign it if you consume. I think a lot of us do. So, all right, thanks uh, for letting me have that plug. Um, all right, guys, it looks like we're wrapping it up. Um, Sam, this was awesome. Really appreciate your time. Dude, yeah, thank you. Everybody who uh, tuned in, thank you, everybody. Um, thanks for uh, the long show. We're well past state 15, so uh, I hope it was worth it. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next month. All right. Ciao, Sam. See you. See you, man.